Well, good morning and welcome to the Vineyard. I want to share today by taking you back in time, tell a story of when I had a very hard time hearing God's voice. Let's go back to the 40s, 50s, and 60s, and I know some of you kids, that seems almost like a myth back in there, but some of us actually did live back in there. I grew up on a family farm, four boys in the family, oldest brother's name Gene, and there was Alan, and I'm third, and then Keith was number four. Uh, typical boys, we loved each other, we fought with each other, we had each other's backs, we were a pretty tight bunch, we, we had just some great, great times. I still have wonderful memories. Well, the second brother named Alan was my absolute hero. He was just one of these amazing characters. He was my mentor, my everything. He was uh, successful, popular, likable, handsome, great leader, all-state athlete. I mean, it just, everything he did turned to gold. So I thought, just tuck in under him and let things go. Came to the University of Illinois and became a swine veterinarian and then went on and got a PhD in animal reproduction. He then went on to change the world of how we raise pigs and became the most influential swine veterinarian in the world. And it was uh, quite an honor to be his brother. Well, let's skip ahead to 1992. I'm emerging as a leader in the Vineyard Church movement, which we're part of. I'm speaking to a number of leaders in Fort Collins, Colorado, having a good time. My brother, meanwhile, is speaking in Paris, France at a symposium of a 1,000 veterinarians in, um, at that time. And at noon, when I got to the noon break, my wife called me and said, hey, your older brother's called me and had some really bad news. Your brother, Alan, has died in France. And, um, you know, if you've ever studied reactions to horrible events, one of the first reactions is denial. So I kind of made a couple of comments like, well, that's too bad. But I just flat blanked it out of my mind. Just this couldn't have happened. Went back in, finished the conference for three more hours. Then I called my wife back and I said, now start over. That brother of mine's the pick of the litter, the healthiest one of the bunch. He couldn't have died. Well, unfortunately, he had died. And I never felt pain hit me so hard as that in my life just like a tidal wave coming over me, lightning bolts, everything was a mess. I, for the next 10 days, I was in a total trance. I say 10 days, here's an FYI, do not die outside of the country. It's very hard to get a dead body back to America. Um, that's just a tidbit I threw in, in case any of you need that. But um, when the body finally came back, and I, all this time I'm saying, God, what's going on? This isn't the way I had envisioned it. What's your part in this? I don't feel very good right now. Where are you? What are you doing in this? And, of course, I know lots more today than I knew back then, but it, it was a struggle. People had all kinds of advice for me. It was a lot of noise coming in. How do I hear from God? Because our message is entitled, Ears to Hear and Hearts to Follow, that we're trying to have, how do I hear what God's saying to me? He's the Lord of my life. What, what does he want me to hear? Well, let's just talk about um, pain for a minute because anytime we, we talk about pain, it's always tied to questions. You ever notice that? Something happens and it's like, wow, why did this divorce happen? Why did I lose my job? Why this addiction thing? This is awful. And, you know, it just goes on and on. We, the same questions over and over. Where's God? Did God cause this pain? What am I going to do about it? Whom, who should I be angry at? 
what's the story? And it's a common element in everybody's life. It's not like it just happens to a few of us. It happens to everybody. I watched a, a documentary the other day on people hooked on OxyContin. And if that's been you, I, you have my greatest empathy. OxyContin was usually given for pain. It worked while there was some pain, but then the people got hooked on it. And it led to disaster in a lot of lives. And Wow. The pain of the people who took it was overwhelming before it was over. So, I mean, there's just all kinds of things that can happen. Sicknesses, you're watching a loved one fade out. And then, if you don't have enough pain, we have the Texas school shootings or other shootings, and you think, oh, my goodness, how are the people putting up with this? You know, if I was a mom and dad, and I sent a third or fourth grader off to school expecting them to see it at 3 o'clock, I can't even fathom the pain of their hearts when the kid didn't come home. I don't know what you'd do. You'd be beside yourself. My mother, by the way, on my brother who died, basically spent the rest of her life, the next 15 years, never getting over it. It's just pain, pain, pain. It's piled on top of each other. And so people are always trying to say, what's up? Our series is entitled, God's Voice, Ears to Hear, Hearts to Follow. So we're going to dig this apart and see how it fits into the kingdom. How do we respond as kingdom citizens? Where's God? How can we engage with God in such a way that's helpful? Does that sound a good idea? I thought that you would agree and thought you'd enjoy that as we go along. Well, having said that, pain is a part of the kingdom. Paul mentions it in the book of Acts. He says in Acts 14, 22, that by many trials and persecutions, problems, various translations say different things, we will enter the kingdom. I like how it says in um, the uh, Passion Translation, it says, it is necessary for us to enter the realm of God's kingdom because the only way we'll endure, it's the only way we'll endure our many trials and persecutions. So there's some implication here that God wants to help us in this. See, we all have pain. We all have to deal with it. There's no, not one of us in here without pain. How do we deal with it? How do we walk in it? How do we understand it? Now, obviously, your pain might not be the death of a brother or a loved one, but it's, it's just as real. Whether you're addicted, whether you're sick, whether you've got kids that are off the rails, there's pain everywhere. Sometimes you have parents that are off the rails. What do we do? All right, let's take a look today in a message entitled, The Good Shepherd is Speaking and Leading Us Through Pain. I want to say two points early. I'm going to talk about these two points. I'm going to repeat them at the end so you get them. Number one, Jesus does not cause our pain. He carries our pain. Okay, Jesus does not cause your pain. He carries your pain. That's the starting point. Second starting point we want to have, Jesus does not abandon us in pain. He accompanies us through our pain. Very important foundations. And, and again, I hear these over and over, these questions. You know, if you listen to the news about the Texas shootings, what did the people say? Well, where was God? Why wasn't he here? Well, he was actually there. He was heartbroken as well. But the, the implication is why didn't God stop it? Why didn't God make something else happen? Why doesn't it go a different direction? You know, a favorite verse that I've seen lately is Psalm 34, verse 19. It says, the problems of the righteous are many, but God delivers us from all of them. Does that feel like you? 
Your problems are many, but you get delivered. I pray that prayer almost every day. Every problem I have, I just say, Lord, I need help. I'm in deep, deep trouble here. So let's uh, dig through the scriptures and see what we can find and get some real help. John 10, the chapter on Jesus as the good shepherd. I'm going to read just a few verses, but you might want to read the whole thing. I'm doing it for the sake of time, but this is a great, great passage. John 10, verse 4. After he gathered his own flock, he walks ahead. I'm talking about Jesus. They follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. Then verse 10, the thief, I like to call him the taker. His purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy or bring pain, if you will. My purpose, Jesus, the giver, is to give us a rich and satisfying life. Some translations use abundant life. Some say um, overflowing life. Some say prosperous life, but just a good life. He tried to bring the good things into our life and into our hearts. He goes on and says, I'm the good shepherd, and a good shepherd sacrifices his life for his sheep. So we hear speaking, which implies somebody's hearing. We have leading, which implies following. Remember, ears to hear, hearts to follow. Got it? That's what we're after. Now, if Jesus is the starting point and he doesn't cause our pain, he carries our pain, how do we dig this out of here? Well, first of all, the shepherd and sheep illustration is not some parable or just some crazy thing. It really is much like a shepherd and sheep. Sheep need help. He's the good shepherd. He takes care of us uh, from start to finish. He knows our name. He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows everything about you. He loves you, he cares for you, he built you, all right? I want to illustrate this from my own childhood. I was a shepherd of real sheep from age 8 to 18. I had about 40 to 50 sheep. There's a little picture of me holding one of them. I was about 10 years old. Uh, I love my sheep. I don't know if you know this, but every sheep's face is as different as every one of your faces. I memorized all their faces. I knew their names. I cared for them. I walked among them. They liked me. And I kept them safe. And if they were hurting, I went to extra effort to make them feel good. Now, what would you think of me if I, in the morning, went out and took a two-by-four and hit them over the head, fed them some rat poison for lunch, and just caused all kinds of problems with them, but in the evening said, you know, I was kind of bad this morning. I should go heal them. I'd be a little double-minded, wouldn't I? Yet people tend to see God as causing the problem, and doing the deliverance. Keep that in mind. A real shepherd takes good care of his sheep. In fact, we have a great shepherd, and he says, I give you an abundant life, a prosperous life, a life of blessing spiritually, mentally, physically, emotionally, every realm. I want to give you a good life. Oh, you're going to have pain, but I'm going to help you through it. I'm going to work with you. I'm the good shepherd. I sacrifice my life for you. 700 years before Jesus goes to the cross, 2,000 years ago, this is 2,700 years ago, a prophet in the Old Testament wrote this in Isaiah 53. He said, Jesus was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Surely he took our pain, he bore our suffering, and by his wounds we are all healed. That's pretty accurate. 700 years before it happens, he writes that. That's what happened. See, listen to this really closely. Jesus cannot both be your problem and your provision. Now, he's got to be one or the other. He's either your helper or your herder. 
your giver or your taker, but we already have find, defined the taker, didn't we? Satan. Satan's the one that authors pain. He brings problems into our lives. He causes chaos, mess. See, Jesus doesn't cause our pain. He carries us through our pain. You know, one time, Jesus, um, some people that didn't like Jesus were accused him of healing people in um, partnership with the devil. And he says, are you nuts? He actually gave Abraham Lincoln a line to say. He said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. In other words, if I'm working for Satan and he's trying to kill you, this isn't going to work, right? So having said that, he, is, he would be a very, very cruel father to be both the problem and the provision, much like me, hurting my sheep and helping my sheep. Got it? Okay, so settle that in your mind. Now, let me say this before we leave this issue. He may speak to you through pain. Sometimes people call that redeeming pain. I, I don't necessarily like that phrase, but God is smart. He uses everything that happens to his advantage. So it may cause us to turn toward God. We may start listening. We may be more attentive. Have you ever heard people say, well, I tried everything else. I guess I can pray. Uh, that's what we used to call in the old pinball world, tilt. You're supposed to pray and then later try everything else if prayer doesn't seem to be getting through, okay? But most people do it the other way around, I, I understand. So Di and I, years ago, for those of you who are new, we were told we couldn't have kids in the middle 70s. Three years, we tried every doctor uh, that we could find and everything we could find, and I realized there are many more procedures today than there were then and I, this is not against doctors. They did all they could do. But we weren't getting anywhere. And uh, a young man named Scott walks into my office. He's sitting back there. And he says, did you know God still heals today like he did 2,000 years ago? That was absolutely the shot that changed my whole life. And just, I no, I don't know that. But I, I need to hear. Through his efforts, through starting to look at the Bible, we started to hear God. God said, I have a solution out of your pain. Now, it didn't take away the three years of pain we'd had, but he's beginning to give us an opening. He's beginning to show us some things. He's beginning to change our world. And, you know, we went to conferences and places, and it just, God's voice started to come through all the noise we were hearing because we were hearing things like, well, you know, God may not want you to have kids. Well, really, I'll address that in a second. Because Satan is always talking. Remember, I often say God's always speaking. Like a radio station, um, one of the local stations here, WDWS, there are radio waves in this auditorium right now, but we're not receiving them because we don't have the right equipment. God's always speaking. Satan's always jamming the waves. Now, I don't mean Satan's actually sitting right next to you and talking to you. I doubt that Satan showed up to very many of us individually. But he works through a lot of people. And I don't mean you're demonized. I don't mean you're bad people. I've said some of these statements myself. But have you ever heard statements? Well, you're always talking, telling me God's good all the time. I don't think God's good all the time. You ever had people say that to you? God's not good all the time. He does really bad things. He makes people sick. He does this. He does that. He causes accident. See, that's a voice from the dark side undermining your faith. How about this one, the close cousin? God gives and God takes away. 
That'd be the pain. He'd be the, both the problem and the provision. And those two are tied together. Do you know what we teach our kingdom kids, the young kids? God's in a good mood all the time. He's happy the cross was a smashing success. They're still celebrating in heaven what happened 2,000 years ago. It'll go on through all eternity. It's such a great victory. It's, it's staggering. Other people say, well, it's just karma. You know what karma is? It's real popular in our society. I, I cheated on income tax last month. This month I had a car accident. God just getting back at me. You ever heard that? I mean, people live by it all the time. And it's like, where did you find that in the Bible? But those things undermine your faith. And pretty soon, you won't believe anything. If you don't have a foundation, you can't believe anything. You have to decide what's truth in your life. What's truth in your life will determine where you go and what you do. See, in embracing the, 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 what the enemy's saying, he's trying to take your faith. Once your faith is gone, you don't have much hope. Going back to Di and I praying over the kids, we're starting to hear from Scott and from others that we, there, there's another option out there. That God's in play. God's powerful. He can do things. Who, who were we going to listen to? People saying, you know, God may want you to just not have kids. Di was a school teacher, and we actually had some people say, well, you know, God really wants you to just work with the kids you work with in school. That would, if you're a school teacher, that's wonderful working with the kids at school. We wanted kids. And, and you know, people had all kinds of things that, that they said they wanted. Well, we went to the Bible and said, there'll be no barren people among you. Huh, wonder if that means me. Well, yes, it means us. We saw in Psalm 103, he heals, he forgives all our sins. That, I, I'm all in for that. He heals all our diseases. Well, if one's right, then the other must be right. See how we would listen to God? We'd listen to CDs, tapes, go to conferences. God is speaking in various ways. He doesn't, often speak in a big audible voice and say, happy, listen to this. But he gets the words through to We became a vineyard movement because a magazine came out about the vineyard church. Now, who would think a magazine would be God speaking? It changed our whole destiny in 1982. Okay, be alert for what happens around you. God's speaking all the time. All right, Jesus does not cause our pain. He carries our pain. Number two, he doesn't abandon us in pain. He accompanies us. I hear this all the time. God left me. Like, what are you talking about? Where did you get that, that God left you? Oh, you know, Psalm 51, it says, don't take your spirit away from me. We also have later revelation that says, in John 14, 15, 16, once I come by my Holy Spirit, I am not ever leaving. So just keep that in mind as we read through here. But okay, a few weeks ago, Daniel, I think, was speaking and said, we hear God mainly through the Bible. That is the best way to hear God. Just today, I, I read my one-year Bible every day. I've done it for 40 years. <clears throat> just today, it said we live and we move and we have our being in Jesus Christ. I thought, Wow. I'm pretty special. I'm in Christ. Christ in me. See how that just, your, your faith starts to rise. I say something like that. You start thinking different. Well, I want to read Psalm 23, one of the great shepherding passages of the Bible. 
show you how times have changed. I got 10 cents from memorizing this and repeating it to my dad. I tried to bribe my kids to do it for a dollar. It wasn't very successful. And my grandkids, they don't even respond for less than 10 to $20. (laughs) What's the matter? Back in the days, you could, for a dime, you could buy two rolls of lifesavers. That was amazing. I was in heaven to get that. But Psalm 23, look what it says. David writing, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You think that sounds like John 10? Exactly. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. That is heaven for a sheep. If a sheep has those two things, they got it made. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is important to him. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. You could say, yea, though I walk through pain unimaginable, I won't fear any evil. You're with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Right in the middle of pain, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I think David's on to something, doesn't he? But he says here, this shepherd walks with us. He talks with us. See, he wants to have a relationship. God isn't a million miles away. He lives in here. He walks with us. We're one with him. We're in union with him. He gives us confidence and assurance we're going to make it. You know, faith is largely just sometimes shutting your eyes, believing you're going to make it out the other end. I do that. I don't know what else to do. Lord, you said you're going to deliver me. I'm one of those righteous kids. Um, I'm in a jam and I can't get out. Whether that's wisdom for fixing things, whether it's a personal relationship, whether it's a health issue, anything. That's my prayer. See, he gives us confidence, assurance that we're going to come out. It's going to be okay. He he comforts it. You know, based on this psalm, here's a few quick steps I would do. First of all, I'd acknowledge your pain. I'd tell the Lord, Lord, I'm really hurting. David, who writes Psalm 23, also wrote some of the psalms that say, Lord, I want you to knock their teeth out. He's mad at people. He says, knock their teeth out. Make sure none of their their descendants live. Kill them all. Just beat them up. Run over them. Get rid of them. Then he writes Psalm 23, and you think, is this the same guy? Is this really the guy we're talking about? Yeah, it's the same guy. But if you're in pain, read Psalm 23 and pray through it. So you're going to tell God, tell your spouse, tell your best friend, somebody who you can pray with, somebody who will love you and work with you and not judge you for being in pain, and then take it to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. This is debilitating. It's messing with me. It's got me all wrapped up. I need some help. Not so much asking why the pain is there, but what am I going to do about the pain? Why is an answer? Is, a lot of times God doesn't answer why. But he will tell you what to respond because you want to have a heart to follow wherever he's going. Whatever he says you want to go do, you want to hear what he has. He has the best wisdom in the world. So if that doesn't work, just repeat it. You're going to listen all the time. Ears to hear, hearts to follow. He has the way forward. He has a way that will make a difference. He'll change. Now, As I start to bring some uh, closure to this, there's really only two options you have in life. You can face life with Jesus or without Jesus. It's real simple. A or B. You want to go without Jesus? I see people do it all the time. They'll 
uh, just complain up to high heaven about how bad God is, how he abandoned them. They'll swear at God. They'll say, I'm done believing, on and on. They'll just throw him out. That really makes you feel good for about 24 hours. Then the next day comes, and now you still have the problem, and now what are you going to do? You already chewed him out. And he just looked at you like a kid throwing a tantrum, thankfully. But you chewed him out. You're a little hesitant to go back to him. Fortunately, he has a big heart to forgive. But I choose to live with Jesus. I have a son that teaches high school at Iowa City High in Iowa City, of course. And he's a, he's a well-known Christian. We didn't talk a lot about it. But his kids will come up and say, why are you a Christian? And I say, oh, that's really simple. Things go better with Jesus. <laughs> it's a pretty good answer in any situation. He said, you know, he's the source of hope. He has infinite power. He can change things that are impossible when nothing else is going to move it. He, he always loves me. He cares about me. He, he's trying to be the good dad, the good shepherd. When I saw a sheep that was sick, I, as I said, I put extra energy into it. What do you think the father does when he sees you're hurting? Think he ignores you and says, I need a coffee break? No, he comes after you. He, a shepherd binds up the wounds. Sheep was bleeding. You tried to get it stopped. The sheep wasn't drinking water. You tried to get it to, get, to start drinking. It wasn't eating. So he, he, he cares about us. But it matters what side you believe on. You believe if, God, if you don't believe, uh, well, if you were to believe God caused it, you're probably not going to pray for him to deliver you. So if you believe he didn't cause it, now you have a reason to pray. If you believe he's with you, you have a reason to pray. So it really makes a difference what, what you think. I want to go back to my brother for just a moment because interestingly, I learned a lot through that. I had to sort through lots of noise. You know, I, God needed your, my brother in, in heaven, you know, for a certain job. I thought, that's crazy. What, what's he need him for? He's just... He's just an average human being, and you make worlds. Why, why would you need my brother? So that one was an easy noise to get rid of. But he, I just I stayed calm. I said, what are you saying through this? And he said, first of all, don't be angry at me. I didn't cause the problem. Now, that, I admit, is a deep, deep issue, and lots of people will debate it, and there's lots of ramifications. If you want to go deeper on that one, take the School of Kingdom Ministry. It starts in um, September, and I, I think you'll see some great answers. Um, but I had... I didn't get angry with God. Um, I realized he didn't cause, in fact, God doesn't cause, doesn't cause the pain in this world, okay? Remember, we are part of the kingdom, and we're to pray that the kingdom come and the will of God be done on earth, but it isn't always done, is it? So we have to live in the consequences. I still have lots of unanswered questions. I'm still sad that my brother's gone, um, but it was interesting the Lord spoke really plainly to me, and he said, remember, I didn't, he wasn't so much telling me why, but what to do. And he, I, he said, you were hiding under your brother's coat. He was famous. You lived in his uh, trail of success. You wanted to imitate him. And he said, my name, this is a longer story I don't have time to share, but happy actually means blessed. And the Lord told me years ago, the reason I'd gotten that name is I was the blessed one out of the family of four. And he said, you needed to emerge as the leader I called you to, and you weren't doing it. Uh, oh, Lord. 
you're right. And he said, I want you to go for it. And I began to emerge. I was already a leader, but I wasn't as bold and confident as I have become over the years. Does that mean I'm perfect as a leader? Far from it. But I'm a lot different leader in the last 30 years than I was in the first years. And I had been using the excuse, well, my brother will always be here. He will take over. And the Lord said, that's not what I've designed your life to be. And it made a big, big difference in my life. So as I look back, I, I realized Jesus didn't cause the pain, uh, but he carried it. He accompanied me through the pain. Still wish my brother were here, but I also love what God's done uh, in the aftermath of building us as a family, building the church and all of that. So in summary, let me say this. Jesus is a good shepherd. He doesn't cause our pain. He carries our pain. You know that, right? He doesn't cause our pain. He carries our pain. Number two, he does not abandon us. He accompanies us. Again, so important. So many people tell me, I feel so alone in my pain. No, you're never alone. You just need to hear. You need to be able to access God. You need to part the noise and then follow what he says to do. Those two things will take you a long way. I saw a final quote, and I want to share it in, in, as my final thing. C.S. Lewis was a very famous Christian writer. I think he's probably been dead a generation ago or sometime in the past. But he said this, God whispers in our pleasure, but he shouts in our pain. I bet that most of us have heard God better in painful situations than we have in good times. When the pain starts to rise, we tend to start listening. But I want you to have ears to hear what he's saying, hearts to follow, and then watch what God wants to do. He wants to go with you, deliver you, set you free so that you can live that life of abundance that he talks about in John 10, verse 10. Fair enough? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, you are the best friend we could have in good or bad times. Lord, when there's pain in our lives, we throw ourselves into your arms. You, you didn't cause it. You carry us through it. You, you don't abandon us, but you accompany us. Show us the reality of that and help us to understand what you're doing and saying at this time and this generation uh, that the pain level could come down in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. <laughs>